You're listening to Clouser on Business. Thanks for coming back. I'm Clouser, your host. Glad you're with us today. Our topic today is on decision-making and framing. We've discussed decision-making before on this podcast. Uh, the title of the podcast is Your Decision, What's Your Process? We all approach decision-making from different perspectives with various methods. I've asked Jim Brew of the Brew Company to come in to help us discuss this topic today and to give us his insights on decision-making and specifically framing a decision. Hey, well, welcome back, Jim. Thanks. It's good to be back here. Uh, a reminder, I've run nine businesses, and uh, in the course of doing that and consulting with 40-some CEOs, uh, I've learned some about what works and what doesn't. And my focus is mostly on leadership because I believe the highest leverage in the business is in what the leaders of the business actually do and where their attention is focused. So that's what I do, and I'm an active consultant right now. I've written a book aimed at owners of private businesses called The Other Side of Succession. I'm working on book number two right now uh, to be published next fall by uh, Creative Press, which will be talking about uh, the difference between what business theorists say and what people actually do in business. So we'll see how that develops. I'm writing it now, not this moment. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Jim, you you publish a weekly uh, article on various business topics, and uh, you've addressed this topic of framing in one of your publication titles called The Art of Framing. Uh, we're going to use some of that article as a basis for our discussion today, but tell tell our listeners a little bit more about that weekly newsletter that you publish and where they might find it or how can they get access to it. Uh, thank you. The newsletter is by invitation. Uh, you can sign up for it on my website, which is at www.gruco.com, um, or call me at 503-544-8857. Uh, and the reason it's by invitation is otherwise it's spam uh, and it doesn't get distributed. So I'd be happy to do it. Uh, it's whatever ideas hit me in the face during the week, um, and I write about them. Okay. Hey, so uh, to our topic today on uh, framing decisions, how, how are you defining framing uh, in our discussion today? Where does the term originate with its use in business? Picture frame, house frame, frame of an automobile? Where does that frame come from? Well, the concept is uh, about how you aim people, uh, aim their focus. Uh, came to me um, first from my mentor, Alan Weiss, uh, who has used it extensively. The, the principle is very simple, which is that if you're leading an organization, um, a major concern for the leader is are the people in the company doing the things that are best for uh, the company, its customers, and other employees. And if you have uh, 1,000 employees in your company, you're outnumbered 1,000 to 1 as the leader. And so there need to be ways to help them do the right thing because you can't run around like their mother and tell them what to do. That reminds me of a story. Some years ago, I was involved with a group uh, designing stores for Jewel Food Stores in Chicago, a major retailer at the time with about 25% of the Chicago market. And I was very young and wide-eyed and glad to be in the room and hope nobody noticed. Um, And these were people from all parts of the business. And uh, I looked at the design of a particular store and said proudly, because I'd never spoken before, uh, the back room's too small. And uh, people sort of rolled their eyes, and one of the guys said, son, 
you make the back room too small to keep people from stacking stuff up in there. <laughs> and then he went on and taught, this is a true story, and he went on to explain that this is a way of creating the condition for success. Because what it forced in that store and other places is that people unloaded the material of the boxes, pallets, whatever they were, from the truck into the back room, onto the floor of the store, and onto the shelf. They didn't sit. Well, why is that good? Well, if they sit, you've got to pay somebody to move them out of the way. You've got to pay somebody to count them. You have to pay somebody to, to count the ones that get damaged, dropped, uh, run into by the forklift. You have to pay somebody to move them when you bring in a whole truckload uh, of bulky things and, and so forth. You get the idea. It's very expensive. So you don't have to tell anybody anything. You just give them a little back room and they figure out the only way to make this thing work is off the truck right to the store. So that's um, the simplest concept of framing, I think, that, that I know, which is to create the conditions for success. So, fra- so uh, Jim, framing, uh, could we disguise, uh, describe framing then as, you know, I'm thinking of, say, a picture frame, for instance. Yes. Those four sides of a picture frame probably represent something in the process, or at least it uh, encloses the things that we should be dis- discussing in our decision-making process? Well, well exactly. If you imagine uh, going to an art, mu- art museum and, and looking at a famous painting, Uh, the water lilies painting, for example, um, you don't see the frame. It's there. The job of the frame is to keep your eye from wandering away from the picture. Uh, That's job number one. Job number two is to emphasize the picture so that you focus on that. Uh, And job number three is to help you stay with it long enough so you begin to digest what's going on. So if you move from that sort of general idea about framing to the business problem, the business problem is the, the same thing that we're bombarded with all the time, which is the, the power of screens, which generate noise in our lives everywhere. All kind of, And screen, I mean your phone, your TV, your computer, and so forth. And this data flood will move our attention away from what needs to be done, and everybody experiences this all the time. So one of the jobs of a frame is to shut off a lot of that. So long story, but that's basically what the framing is about. And the analogy is important if you're a leader. And it's important if you're leading a small team because it's one of the ways that you get on the same page, as they say. Mm-hmm. Hey, so in your article, and we'll, I want to get more to leadership in a second here, but, but in your article you say strategy is the granddaddy of framing tools. So is developing strategy, for instance, a framing on its own? Or is it a component of the overall framing process? Well, I could say both, but that's sort of dodging it. I I think uh, strategy is a form of framing. Uh, And the the idea for me is that framing appears in lots of ways, uh, and it can be a powerful tool used consciously. So if the point of strategy is to say where we want to go or what do we want to look like in, in a year or two or three, uh, as opposed to tactics, which is how do we get there, then a strategy rules out a lot of things we're not going to do. We're not going to build cars. We're not going to do makeup. Uh, we're not going to build houses. Uh, we're not going to build paper. Uh, so those things are ruled out. They're not discussed. People don't bring them into the room. And because they're never visible, they're, the, the framing process really is taken for granted. But in fact, what strategy does is rule out most things. So and it's like the picture frame, which rules out 
the other pictures on the wall in the gallery. So you're looking just at you're looking just at one. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are the elements that are involved in the framing process? Then you know, if I was uh, uh, leading a group of people, and we were we had uh, whatever it is on our table to discuss, uh, you know, what would be how, where would we start, and what would be the next steps, and then what would we end with? Hopefully, I think the first three elements in framing are the topic, believe it or not, which may seem obvious, but it's not. Um, the second is limits; um, these each take a number of forms, and the third is the goal, meaning if the topic uh, that we're working on today is how to improve throughput uh, in plant C. Uh, on the line where we are making boxes, uh, then the, the limits of the discussion are plant C, boxes, probably the box production line, and probably the parts of the box production line where change is possible, for example. And what we just did is narrow down the question so we can actually work on it. Uh, it, it you, can't, you can give a dog a bone, but you can't give a dog a cow. If you do, it'll kill the dog trying to eat it. That's same thing with a business. And then from that, a goal can be created, uh, and then people can actually go to work toward the goal. That, that's a practical application of a framing. Yeah, so a uh, good point you had there uh, on defining what the decision to be made really is, because I, uh, just from my experience, when you bring a, a group of people into uh, the process, they're bringing in what they think is the decision to be made from their perspective, and they could just be you know, totally off. They can. Well, yes, that's the, that's the, the debate. It's easier if uh, you're the boss and you do all the work because then everybody does what the boss wants. Once you get a team, you bring different perspectives into the room. You can't help that. Everybody has their own luggage. And one of the tasks is to, to try to aim the luggage, if you will, uh, and keep most of it out of the decision in a way that keeps the people in the room. If you did, shut people down, they'll leave. So... Um, if there is a, uh, a pool of understanding about what we're trying to do, that is, about what's within the frame, when you begin to work on the problem, there will be less distraction. There still will be distractions, but gradually you can narrow, 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 because the job of most meetings is some kind of decision leading to some kind of action or communication. In both cases, framing is essential. Mm-hmm. So uh, in your current experience and in your past experience uh is this a process that you know a lot of companies are using or is this you know something that a lot of a lot of companies really need to get uh engaged with i think leaders do it naturally without thinking about it uh i believe that putting words to it uh to almost anything uh, make it more effective, uh, because the leadership problem uh, is always uh, translating the picture of the leader to the brains of the people who are going to do the work uh, without much data loss, if you will, uh, and some opportunity for the workers to say that's a great idea, but we don't know how to do it because w- the tools we have are six inches too short, or wh- whatever is the specific. Mm-hmm. And Framing is a way of saying, no, we're not working on that right now. One of the side story, one of the the business leaders that taught me a lot is actually a relative who uh, is a millionaire several times over. Um, I watched him in the 
landscaping business, which he bought with a partner in the Bay Area probably 25 years ago, uh, and then grew that business by shifting it to very good practices, meaning they had up-to-date safety equipment, they had good uh, uh, health care for their people, they took care of their employees, they trained them well, none of which was going on in the industry. And as a result, they had very good employees. But I, I watched him one day uh, when he had, I think, 10 branches, and we're going to say a dozen or 15 people working in each branch spread all over the Bay Area, uh, a pretty complex operation. Uh, and, uh, he was, and he and I were talking about some problem he was working on, and, and he, somebody walked into the room, and I think it was one of his division managers, and said, Hal, can we work on this right now? We've got a problem because all of these mowers have got a recall on them. And he looked up and said, I'm not working on that right now, and looked back down and continued what we were doing. I was blown away. He didn't <laughs> say, I'm sorry. He didn't say, I'll talk to you later. He just said, I'm not working on that right now. Well, that's a form of framing. And, and it was very effective because in that message, he said to his guy, understand that I expect you to come to me well prepared. You weren't. Be careful so that I'm ready to hear what you're going to say. Don't blow in here when I've got my head somewhere else because I can't hear you and, and so forth. So that's his way of framing conversations with his people. And you would imagine from that that morale was lousy. The reverse, in fact, was the case. Morale was phenomenal. People loved to work with him because he listened, he took care of his people, and, and so forth. But he used framing so that the conversations were narrow enough so they could do something about it. Well, and uh, bring another question, uh, side question on this, though. You know, a lot of people are subject to making, the, you know, a lot of decisions, uh, ongoing, whatever. How, how do you or what would be your advice to people on how to prioritize that decision-making process? I, I mean, because some, it just seems to me somewhere along the line, something's going to get away from you. Or So what's the discipline there for people to be properly prepared to submit a decision and what the result's going to be? Well, one of the words that, that everybody talks about, everybody, uh, not everybody, but it's, it's common, is the word agility. I'm tired of hearing it because everybody wants to be agile, though they're not sure what that means. Uh, we, we watched the World Series last night. Those guys are agile. They're all over the place, but most of us aren't. And uh, I think the, the best way to use that, that idea is to say you want an organization that is pretty highly focused, which means that people m know what they're going to be doing. Why is that? Because focus means you've thought about what matters and you've discarded things that don't. What happens is that that actually creates some slack in the system, and that slack is what's necessary for real agility when you get a surprise. Mm -hmm. If your system is operating at 110% and you get a surprise, there's a mess somewhere because you simply can't manage it. And so there are those who would say you should never be operating with slack, and I would say they've never run a company. There right. is always slack mm -hmm. for a whole bunch of reasons. And that focusing, that framing, of however you want to say it, is built on the idea of exclusion, which is the essence of framing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something earlier uh, I want to get back to when we gather these people around the table or whatever the gathering place is, and you've got the leader, maybe the uh, ownership, top management of the company involved in this. And you mentioned, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned something, well, 
you know, we're going to go the way the owner wants to go or whatever. So my question to you is, how does a company prohibit inherent bias from skewing the decision-making process? I mean, how do I, how do I keep from coming into a meeting where you're the leader, Jim, and the last thing as an employee is I don't want to go, you know, 30 degrees when you're going 90, right? So how some thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. And it's a great question. First of all, there's, of course there's bias. Uh, anybody who says there isn't is, I don't know, what, grown up alone or, I don't know, on some kind of substance. Uh, everybody has bias, and we hire for that. We want that because bias is diversity, bias is new ideas, bias is the willingness to fight for the better outcome, and all of those things come partly from bias, which is our luggage from childhood. But I think the question may be, how do we keep the president from autocratically decreeing what will happen and missing the better answer? Or, better yet, how do you train employees to be willing to say, but wait a minute, what about this? Which I think is really the essence. A part of it is, is work with the CEO or the president. Um, and one path that has worked is to help him or her hire a first-rate uh, number two person in the company or a first-rate person who is strong enough to argue with this CEO and teach them that other ideas have value. Most of us learn in real time, as somebody said, by doing the work. You don't become a better tennis player by reading about it. You go pick up a racket and hit the ball however many times. And so that's one way to to teach it. Uh, Yes, of course, um, the principles can be discussed with a leader if he wants to, but the leader is going to do these kinds of things most of the time because there's a benefit. Um, I, I think we are economic animals even though uh, Richard Thaler, I think, wrote a book 10 years ago proving that, that uh, people do not make economic decisions most of the time. They make decisions emotionally and for a bunch of reasons. You can bring that emotion. As, as do business owners and management. Do, who happen to be people the last time I checked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I, I guess if you move then from the business owner to the employee, what can an employee do? And and the answer is two things. One, be respectful, um, not just because this is the person controlling your paycheck, but probably this person has got a lot of skill. So be respectful. And then be straight about saying, uh, gee, I wonder if I could check something out with you here because what you said doesn't make sense because here, and then provide the data, mm-hmm. is something that I'm looking at. Does that apply here? And the, the, the trick is to apply data evidence, not a passionate opinion, because the more passionate the person is, typically the more passionate everybody else gets and you move away from the answer. So framing here is a matter of answering the question, what is the evidence? Because if, it, if it's not evidence, meaning something you can point to or feel or experience, then evidence in this discussion is not admissible. By definition, we're trying to work with evidence here. Evidence can be how I have felt the last four times we've had this discussion, by the way. That is, the feelings are real. Uh, but if the discussion moves to what is the evidence, and the discussion is about what evidence do you see, meaning you, another person in the room, and another person, you build a pool of understanding or a shared pool of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are agreeing, yes, that data applies, that applies, that applies, that applies. And you've changed the discussion to say, based on what the data shows, what based on what the evidence is that we have all kind of talked through, what would make sense now? 
And that leaves space for the CEO to say with dignity, this is a better answer. You've given me new information. Right, but have facts. Yeah, tangible, exactly. tangible facts. Yes. Uh, so it's not. Uh, I think it's this, or I thought it was this, or it yes. might be this. Have the facts so someone can see clearly what you're talking about. Be prepared, really. Yes. To uh, give yeah. your case, I Absolutely. guess is, the, is yes. the right way. And understand one other thing that there's a difference between saying I think X or John and Sue and Bill all think Y. That is not data. That is not evidence. Yeah. And so the question, first question is, well, what is your evidence for saying what you believe? Those are different. Mm-hmm. And the second one is, let's limit this to what you have observed or to data that you have read or studied yourself, rather than repeating what others have said, because they're not in the room to defend themselves, and you may well have distorted what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good stuff there, Jim. Hey, so uh, back to the leadership. So how does uh, framing, uh, how does the framing process help develop leadership in the workplace? In your article, you mentioned this is a critical piece to, the, to uh, developing success within employee participation. A lot of this is obvious, but people don't do it. Um, HR has just about killed the concept of the job description and the performance appraisal. And if you're current with what's going on, uh, the annual performance appraisals now are justifications for pay adjustments, but w- the best companies now give employees feedback immediately, and, and leaders are trained to do that, um, and the feedback is, um, is quick and accurate. Um, I appreciate how, how carefully you sorted the data on that last run. I think that's going to make a difference to us now, that kind mm-hmm. of very specific feedback. Mm-hmm. That's way better than five months from now saying you're good at data, which nobody believes. That's somebody. So that's number one. Number two, job descriptions are not five pages of paragraphs written by the law. They are uh, essentially three things, the name of the job, the primary responsibilities expressed as responsible for, and then if activities can be listed, then it would be key activities, and they are listed with the idea that this isn't everything the person does, but it's a representative array. So that what you've done is said, here's a job title. Oh, you can say who they report to if you want. Uh, what are they responsible for, which is the, is the most important single thing and the hardest one? And then what are key activities? When you have that, you have now framed the job. That allows you to compare to what the person's actually doing and, and ask them, is this what you do? And you'll be surprised to hear most people say, no, not really. There's more of this and less of that. Okay. Then you can say, how are you doing against what you're supposed to be responsible for? Another, that's a, a, and the frame there is what is undone or what could be done better. And you've moved the discussion to a, a what could be improved based on what this job is as opposed to what the boss said before, what we always do, or what your last boss told you to do, or you'd get fired, or heaven knows all the things that are in people's heads. So a job description is a frame. Mm-hmm. And once you have that in place, then the, and I, I'm biased toward simple metrics. Three, uh, very simple to define, uh, and they are what are three measures that together have the biggest impact on our financial results and our customer results, and employee morale, because those are the three universes that custom, that companies need to be successful in. The metrics can be found in two hours, 
and if they are presented daily at least, uh, or certainly weekly, to everybody, it changes the game from I'm mad at him to my day was awful, it was a succession of problems, Mm -hmm. to look what we did. Those are all frames. Mm-hmm. Well, one of, one of the things I like uh, uh, about uh, you said something in your article I really liked. Uh, it says standard delegation advice councils spell out the end but leave the means up to the team. Uh, this is a uh, that's a recipe for failure and frustration because it ignores the frame, letting folks wander in the desert until they run out of gas. Can you expand on that y- a little bit? Yes. Yeah. And anybody who's led any kind of a team, okay, if you picture your eight-year-old son and his soccer team there's no frame there and it's okay they wander around it's the, bumblebee, near the ball. bumblebee pack yeah right they're either around the ball um they're looking off into space they're lying on their back uh they're playing catch uh it, it's there's no frame well that's okay when you're eight but if there's a problem and no frame for the the problem solvers either you give them a frame by saying, I will support whatever you come up with, which is hardly ever credible. That happens when these are very senior people who understand the trade-offs of cost and, and return and so forth. Or you say, the, air, the answer needs to fall within this range, or we need to look over here but not over there. Uh, here's a simple example. We need to increase sales. And somebody says, and this is a company right now that, that is operating in Oregon, Washington, Let's open a branch in Washington, D.C. You would scratch your head about that, uh, unless for some reason the real buyer is somebody that works in the Pentagon. Well, okay, but otherwise that's nuts. Well, if you roll back, you will find that that geographic errors or categories of business errors or industry errors and so forth are all things which framing will exclude. We can't do that. We can't do that. Instead, you say we are aiming here or here or here or something like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. So typical pushback on the framing process is that it takes time to perform the process and time's valuable, whatever. Uh, are these critics being short-sighted, and uh, what's the cost-benefit to performing the uh, process? Oh, okay, interesting. So, um, Sorry, let's do, let's sorry do, to be a man of too many questions here. No, but. you're not. You're fine. No, I'm just thinking there's two ways to answer that question. If you're doing this by yourself, And let's say that you're a CPA sole proprietor. Your limited resource is time. It's not knowledge. It's time. It's not money. You have very little time. And so how you use that time determines whether you're successful both in terms of satisfaction uh, and and happiness. So to not frame your work uh, is crazy because probably you won't do well. You'll make impulsive choices or or you, you won't have thought them through. And it's people use calendars as a kind of a frame. If it's a group of people, then I I don't know why this has to be so complicated and difficult. Uh, Part of the job of the leader, and that can be whoever is leading the project, is to frame the task and say the objective is A and the limits are B, and to say we can't do that. And that may involve uh, a trial run. Uh, That's the part of, of agile Uh, operations which do make sense, which which is fail fast, try something with the understanding that we'll look at it. If it doesn't work, change it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a different way of framing. The frame says we want an answer in nine days. That's a frame. And I actually have a business acquaintance who's in in the uh, business of engineering 
hardware, software solutions for Microsoft and others. And that's a typical process, nine days, which is a tenth of the time they should take. And what they do is come up with whatever they can in nine days. It's probably close. And then they, they iterate. So the nine days is a frame. Well, do you think in that example, though, uh, putting putting that frame, maybe in it might be, in your opinion, it's too short of a time, but does that keep from overanalyzing something occurring, too? I mean, oh, because I if, so. cause if we, if someone said, well, I don't need anything for six months, I mean, we're going to, as human beings, we're going to mess around and uh, make it a last moment effort, probably. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, the, the, the joke is that engineers have just one more change. To, that's what makes them good because that's the way their brains work. And you can say if it's a 30-day project uh, and you allow six months, um, it's five months of waiting and 30 days of work. Or if it's a 30-day project and you say we want the first iteration in nine days, you'll get a, for sure you'll get a better uh, outcome in 30 days because you probably will have had three cuts at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, so uh, one last question I've got for you. Does the framing process always result in the best outcomes and does the outcome of a decision made indicate that it was a good or bad decision <laughs> a no that's a trick it's a trick question no, it is yes yeah. no they don't they, sometimes no matter what you do it wasn't a good outcome sometimes when you think it's good it's terrible uh, and sometimes framing doesn't work and what's crucial there and other places is that it's okay to say this isn't working I, I was talking last night with a friend whose whose son is quite ill, and uh, they realized that the treatment that has, they have, this son has been undergoing isn't working. And for them to be able to say that allows them to go find a different doctor or a different treatment plan mm-hmm. to help the son. It would be awful to say, well, we just have to keep doing this. But same thing in business. You yeah. have to be willing to say, this isn't working. Yeah, uh, uh, part of... Uh keeping a uh, CPA certificate uh, active. I do a lot of uh, continuing education. And, and about a year ago, I, I uh, took a CPE course on um, decision-making. And one of the things that one of the things that will stand out to me always will be, uh, when do you know that you've made a good decision or not? And it really should be the day you make the decision. Yes. You should have done everything you've talked about today with us and the day, you know, the time you say I'm going to go whatever direction, that's when the decision's got to be the best because sometimes the outcome's not the indicator because sometimes we make good decisions, but we don't get the outcomes because of other things that happen outside of our control. Exactly. You know, and uh, so. Yes, and if you, when you get about 80% correct, you go. The other 10% is not worth the time or the money, period, always. Because almost always, you can adjust if you try it out and you say, whoops, this part doesn't work quite right. We'll go back and fix that. That's way faster than trying to get it all right before you launch. And you're right. Sometimes you don't know, but you do the best you can as of what you know today and then do it. Yeah. Sometimes we get a better result than we even expected, too. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, so, Jim, uh, please summarize for our listeners the importance and the components, again, of where this process should be applied. And... uh, if I'm a small business owner or with little or no staff, you touched on it a little bit, uh, you know, how can I use this process? Well, here are two ways to come at it. One is to say um, when there is a decision imminent, clarify the topic, clarify its limits, and clarify the goal, meaning what do we want to accomplish. 
Another way of thinking about it is that when, when you have meetings whose purpose uh, is to collect people and either communicate information or make decisions, have an agenda. I know that sounds radical. You'd be stunned at how few businesses have agendas. I mean typed, handed out, on paper, not on screens. Uh, and, and the other thing is two t- questions which are framing tools. One is to ask, what is the question? When someone comes to you, a group comes to you and says, we have this problem, and whatever they say to you, your question, your first question is, what is the question? And the reason is that they may want A from you, and you're busy giving them B, which they already already know. So just ask, what's the question? Interrupt them. What's the question? You don't need most of the story. And second, a, diff- a variation of that, is you hear a story about whatever the people are talking about. The generators are down in the plant, and the lights are running at half speed, and we have two people who are sitting on a bench, and we found a guy out back smoking pot. Your question is, what's the problem? Because I just gave you four. Mm-hmm. So you say, what's the problem? And people usually answer that immediately. That's a frame. Now you can go to work. All right. Hey, well, we're out of time for today. I really appreciate uh, Jim Grew being with us uh, again. And uh, thanks, Jim. Be sure to uh, listen to his earlier podcast on net net worth. What is the real net worth of your business? And uh, you can find more about Jim at uh, www.grewco.com and on our website at clouseronbusiness.com. Be sure to tell your friends about us. Uh, We're on uh, TuneIn, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, and soon on Google Play. Well, all for now, you've been listening to Clouser on Business.